We are talking markets again today, and my guest is Jonathan Detour. He's a fund manager and a part owner of the niche investment group Truffle. Jonathan, welcome to the show. We are living in exciting times. What do you think of current market valuations? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on your show. Look, I mean, you know, our view is markets generally are quite expensive. Um, you know, South African market, if you look at it versus its own history, it is expensive. Uh, if you look at, you know, forward earnings yields, it's quite low. But, you know, everybody says, well, it's it's distorted by a NASPAS and an SAB Miller, and, and we would agree. But even if you strip those out and, you know, at any one point, there's always been one or two counts which have been very, very expensive. But, but even if you look at it, you know, like an SA-only index, it, it's probably 30% expensive versus versus its own history. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that just says to you that, you know, certainly going forward, your a lot of your future uh, returns have already been given to you in the in the multiple in the rating, so don't expect the same you know level of returns that we've seen from certainly the, from stock markets as what you have seen historically. Have you taken a defensive position to try and you know preserve capital? Yeah, certainly. If if you look at our multi asset class funds, we have pretty much the lowest um, SA equity that we've ever had um, since inception of those funds. So those funds have done very very well over time. However. We are very conservatively positioned. We've got quite a lot of dry powder. Um, even if you look at, you know, in terms of our bond allocation, we have very short duration. So we, 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 we've got quite a lot of dry powder, which we keeping in case there's an event and then we can deploy that. Uh, and we, are, we don't think we'll, we'll be hurt too much because we don't see how risk assets could rally significantly more from where they are right now. So are you very overweight in, in cash and bonds? Um, any other asset classes where you are underweight or overweight? Yeah, so I mean, you know, so certainly in our own mindset for, for our multi-asset class funds, we are overweight cash and are overweight short duration bonds. It's, it's more just getting a bit, of, a slightly bit of a yield pickup compared to, um, you know, just being pure cash. Uh, and then in our asset alloca- you know, in our equity allocation, we like financials, we like insurers, we quite underweight uh, resources. We just, we, we can't get the, the value. Uh, we don't think it's a good place to deploy capital at this point. One of the fund managers I uh, actually follow in the US is Don Brown. He's really uh, outperformed the uh, S&P 500 index since 1960. I think the S&P only beat him on two occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very bullish on the US market. He forecasts uh, that the Dow can go to 27,000. Um, which is a very, very bullish perspective. How do you view the international market? Yeah, look, I mean, sure. I mean, that is, I mean, if you say he's got that track record where, you know, in what's that, 50 years, he's only been beaten twice. I mean, that's certainly an incredible track record. So, I mean, it is somebody that you should listen to. Um, Being that bullish, I mean, you know, that's kind of 40% up from where we are right now. It'll, look, I mean, the one thing is, is you know, if you've looked at all the quantitative easing that's happened in the world, you know, where do you put your money? I mean, you can't go and put it in bonds because you get such a poor return. I mean, you know, there are a lot of European bonds generating negative return. You know, you put it in a German government bond, you get a negative return. So, I mean, and you don't want to be cash because that gives you zero. So, where do you go? You, you start going into risk assets. And we've seen that. I mean, that the very low returns because of quantitative easing in bond and fixed income assets has driven more and more capital to equity markets. So I wonder if his view isn't premised on that, that, you know, interest rates are so low, you, you know, it means that you can go and put more and more money into, into risk assets. Certainly, I mean, we, we, if we look globally, I mean, just as a, as a whole, we think, you know, they, global markets are not that cheap either. 
um, you know, firstly, relative to their own history. So in my mind, what happens? Um, So either we have a a Japanese-type scenario. We can look at Japan, which has had quantitative easing for a number of years now. Japan has gone through virtually no growth for 25 years. Uh, And, you know, look, stock markets have come back, but they started from very, very high valuations. Now, you know, in my mind, we have kind of two outcomes for markets from this point. Either we continue a low-growth environment where stock markets don't give you, certainly not the returns that we've been accustomed to, gives us lower returns for longer and we don't have a major hiccup. Or we have a major hiccup in the world and equity valuations correct 20 to 40% and then they'll look reasonable again and then you can deploy capital in it. But in my mind, you know, you don't have to be in the market. Uh, certainly if you get the major correction, you don't want to be in the market. If we gave quite low returns over the next five-year period, it's not the end of the world if you don't have all your money deployed in risk assets. From a South African perspective, we've seen a roller coaster ride in the um, exchange rate of the rand. Um, mm. Especially now, it's strengthened significantly. Uh, mm. You know, partly due to the um, you know quantitative easing and the availability of cash in, in the world market. From a South African perspective, how should investors view this recent strengthening? Is it a time to? To take out money, um, you know, did the history uh, repeat itself where people uh, took a lot of money out when the, the rand was at its weakest and, mm-hmm. and then it strengthened again? What is your perception? Look, I mean, so, I mean, we've actually been caught certainly year to date on the wrong side of that. We've had too much of our asset allocation offshore. If you look at our multi-asset class funds, we sit virtually at our maximum at close to 25%, which is the, the regulatory limit. Um, we still... So South Africa, as you mentioned, you know, more quantitative easing has driven more money into South Africa, certainly into our bond market, looking for the highest yields. Uh, I mean, South Africa is one of the highest yielding countries, investment grade countries. Uh, it's one of the highest investment grade countries uh, in terms of yield. So there's money that's been coming to South Africa. Now, you know, are we going to remain investment grade? There's a big question mark around that. We think it's a question of uh, when, not if. We think it is going to happen unless something changes, unless government can get, you know, labor reforms through through the system, which we think is going to be quite difficult. Um, but having said that, I mean, certainly there's a lot of positive sentiment towards South Africa. We've had very, very peaceful municipal elections. Um, the ANC has lost a, a little bit of uh, power, which I think certainly international investors have, have looked on favorably because they're saying, well, you know, the, the population is speaking their mind and, and, and they, you know, there is a way to, to kind of keep the ANC in check. So, you know, there's a lot of positive sentiment towards South Africa. Having said that, we do have pretty low economic growth. Um, if we look forward 12 months, our inflation number is going to fall, which will be positive for economic growth because as, you know, food inflation comes down probably from a, a double-digit number towards the end of this year to probably low single digits next year, that is going to add more money to the consumer who will be able to spend, and that should give us a little bit more economic growth next year. Hopefully we can soon also move to a environment where you know companies profitability and earnings drive share prices and uh, and not this international mm. you know free float of, of cash mm. yeah look i mean you know uh, i mean I've, I've done quite a lot of reading on, on, on in terms of research and on any one year period you know two-thirds of your return isn't doesn't have anything to do with the fundamentals of the underlying asset it's it's simply as you say you know global interest rates driving markets higher or, or lower or some political change um so but i mean over time valuations certainly do come through so yeah i'd, I'd agree with you I'd, I'd like it that the markets rather gave us returns based on you know earnings growth and 
and and underlying value in the companies because that's what we are. We stock pickers. That's what we like. To, that's where we think we have a competitive advantage. And you know, as you say, if, if you know currencies move wildly or markets move wildly because of global expectations, uh, it makes it a little bit harder for us. Let's uh, talk in more detail about the local market. Where are you seeing value, and uh, which sectors do you stay away from? Yeah, so certainly we're seeing quite a lot of value in the banks and in um, insurers. One insurer in particular, Old Mutual, is our largest holding across all of our funds. That is more a stock-specific story. I mean, we quite like the the breakup that's going to happen in Old Mutual. It's been announced. We're a little bit disappointed uh, when they announced results um, that the, there wasn't more detail on how exactly the, the breakup was going to work. When did you buy into Old Mutual? We've held at Old Mutual for some years. I mean, we've held it probably from 2011 when it was 14, 15 rand a share. We, we liked it. it. It has done very well. And we think the final kicker comes certainly when they break up the group. Based on our numbers, there's probably about a 15% holding company discount uh, based on our mutual. So in our mind, you get 15% free over the next two and a bit years. And then the underlying businesses are good. I mean, old mutual emerging markets, the SA business is good. Nedbank, we've seen results. It is good. The UK wealth business, uh, probably recently we've tempered down our expectations. We still think it's a fantastic business. Uh, it obviously was quite weak in, in the recent set of results, but we do still think that it's playing in the right space. Pension fund reform, um, the asset manager has done well. And then the US asset manager, which is probably only 8% of the valuation, but it, and but we think that's probably fairly valued at this point. Um, the other um, holdings in your um, flexible fund, um, which is significant, is First Rand, which is another banking stock, Barclays Africa, as well as Investec. Don't you think, you know, if we do get a downgrade, as you've said earlier, which is mm. probably inevitable, mm. that would put a lot of pressure on those uh, on the banks? Yeah, sure. So certainly, I mean, the an, a downgrade will put pressure on our banks, but we think uh, certainly when we put a lot of those positions on a couple of months ago, a lot of that was already priced into the banks uh, in terms of their, their share prices. So if I just give you something like a Barclays Group Africa, in my mind, the way I, I stack it up in my mind, is it's going forward, it'll give you about a 7% yield. Its earnings growth will be about 7%. So you put the two together, you get 14% return, which is... It's an okay return. It's not fantastic. And you're not paying a huge multiple. You're paying about a 9 PE forward for it now, which you're not paying a huge price for something that's going to give you about a 14% return. Uh, you know, do we see a significant re-rating in the banks? It could happen. I mean, we, our view is the interest rate hiking cycle is done. Um, if anything, middle of next year, maybe even earlier than that, we might get some interest rate cuts. Banks, certainly their share prices respond favorably to that. So... You're not paying a high multiple. You're paying probably a little bit below fair value in our minds, and you're going to get about a you know seven percent between five and seven percent dividend yield, and and a bit of growth, uh, not fantastic growth, but you know we think that's a good place to deploy cap. Are you actually buying uh, banking stocks now? Well, if I we've actually sold recently a little bit of our bank. We were very very overweight banks, and you know the recent set of results. If you look what came out of Barclays Group Africa, Ned Bank, and Standard Bank today, all. Uh, exceeded our expectations. They were slightly better than, than what we, we we thought. Certainly, it's coming through from the commercial investment banking sectors in in those banks. Um, so, with that, share prices have been quite strong, and we've used that just to reduce a little bit on our positions. What sectors are you running away from? Look, I mean, the diversified miners. Um, we quite negative on iron ore. I mean, on a whole, you know, we think there's certain commodities, nickel. 
uh, copper, which are we're quite constructive on. We think you know th- there is reason for the, those prices to go higher. However, iron ore is still in oversupply. Vale is coming with a new project, the S11D, which is a fantastic ore body, which is going to add about another 8% to the global seaborne market. Uh, that comes on stream towards the end of this year. And we think that that's going to put pressure on, on the iron ore price. If you look at it where the iron ore price is now relative to the cost curve, everybody's making money. So there's certainly no reason to, to cut iron ore production. Um, having said that, I mean, you know, we've held this view for a while. Uh, you know, certainly the iron ore players have done very, very well. If you look what um, Kumba's done since since it's low in January, um, but having said that, we don't see how it can be sustainably higher for longer. It's obviously what happened is China really uh, increased the amount of debt in the economy to really keep that economy going. That's not sustainable indefinitely. I mean, their debt to GDP increased by about thirteen percent in the first six months of this year. You can't consistently do that forever. Uh, At some point, it'll get too big. We don't know when that point is, if it's the next six months or if it's in five years' time. Um, But we're just not happy putting capital to work on those ideas. Jonathan, it's obviously also like NASPAS. For example, in your general equity fund, it is by far the biggest uh, single share owned by the fund. Um, 13% of the total value is uh, within NASPAS shares. The share has run phenomenally over the last few years. There's a lot of hype around the the share. Do you think it can go even higher? Yeah, look, I mean, so so NASPAS, its main asset is Tencent, uh, which is a a Chinese online gaming company principally, but it's obviously diversified into a number of other aspects. Uh, It reported results yesterday, Tencent, which were fantastic results. I mean, if you look at one space which is really growing at incredible rate, it's it's the mobile gaming space. Um, So we've actually got two counters playing on on that particular theme, one being uh, NASPAS, as you mentioned, and we also own an offshore listed stock called NetEase, um, which has done very, very well for us. And those, you know, if you take it, previously the only people that used to really play computer games were hardcore gamers. They'd sit there and they'd play on their computer and that was the market. Now as it's moved to the mobile space, there are more and more player more and more people, you know, who are being attracted to playing computer games. And I mean you would have seen recently po- Pokemon Go. Uh, it hasn't launched in China, but I mean certainly it's taken the rest of the world by storm, where more and more people are, are playing these these computer games as opposed to a very narrow sector of the market. So that's that's the principal uh, place that we're very, very excited for. Let's talk about Truffle. Um, recently, Morningstar released its quarterly ratings for asset managers, and you uh, were one of three South African asset managers that got five stars, um, the other two being Foot and Alan Gray. I'm sure the bubbly uh, went on long into the night. Yeah, look, I mean, I mean, obviously it's, it's fantastic to receive that rating, and we really do appreciate it. I mean, we've been working really really hard for a number of years now. Uh, we've recently added a few members to our team. Um, and, you know, the, the key thing that we focus on is uh, those investment returns. We want to deliver the highest possible investment returns we can for our clients. Um, so you, you mentioned, you know, did we have bubbly until late until the night? The answer is actually no. <laughs> we, ha- we haven't had bubbly because it's we've had a bit of a tough year in terms of our investment performance here to date. And that's what we focus on. That's where we're spending all our effort. Jonathan, many fund managers advise investors to sit on their hands during volatile times. How active are you in this market? Yeah, look, I mean, certainly, so us being a smaller manager, we like volatility, although it makes all of us, including us as fund managers, very uncomfortable um, in terms of, you know, when you see a large amount of volatility in share prices. And 
When there is an opportunity, we'll definitely take it. We'll, we'll jump on it quite quickly. If I give you one example, so we, we don't consider ourselves active traders, but when Nenegate hit end of last year, and certainly by the Friday afternoon, I think it was the 13th of December around there, where the banks were trading at similar multiples to what they were trading on the global financial crisis, we thought that this is nonsensical and something some, they are just too cheap. And that's when we, we stepped into the market. We were buying Barclays Group Africa. Then Sunday night, we know what happened. The president announced a change to the financial um, uh, finance minister. And we had Provin Gordon in. And Monday morning, the banks were up 20%, 30%. And we sold our Barclays Group Africa. So th- that type of opportunity, if it presents itself, we'll definitely take it. Asset managers do get a lot of business from financial advisors. But there is an increasing amount of regulations governing the financial advice industry. Some advisors even say it's you know, safer for them to invest with larger fund managers than to go with smaller ones. Have you uh, experienced this? Look, I mean, I'd certainly say a couple of years ago, we, we definitely got quite a lot of pushback. And, you know, we were, certainly Truffle wasn't known, and I still don't think we were very well known in, in the industry. Um, so there were, uh, certainly, we, we came up against that where we were an unknown entity in terms of Truffle, but obviously as people, we, we've been around a little bit longer. Um, but, uh, yeah, nowadays I'd say it's probably a little bit less. Uh, you know, we are 20 billion uh, and assets under management now, which, you know, we're still small relative to the big guys, um, but we're not, you know, somebody sitting at one or two billion, which I think is where you, you do struggle a lot more in terms of that space. And how many companies in the local market are you invested in? David Shapiro of Sasfin recently said, you know, if you look at the local market, you have the top 100 companies. They are dominated by the top five or six. Are there enough companies to invest the the money you get Mm. in? Look, I mean, there certainly is. Um, I think, you know, so the one thing, again, if you just do look at quantitative research, if you um, had to blindly pick randomly, pick four shares, um, it's, the, the math basically works out one in four shares will outperform its index by 10% a year on a four-year basis. So if you just take the Aussie 40 and you work through it and you are able to identify the 10 shares which will outperform the Aussie over, by 10% a year by, over the next four years, you'll be light years ahead of most asset managers uh, with that kind of return. And that is that is what we're trying to do. You, so are there enough names? Yes, there certainly are enough names. We do run quite a concentrated portfolio in our funds. Uh, we probably have in our equity funds probably about 40 counters in there in terms of names. Obviously, some have much smaller weightings than others. And in our multi-asset class funds, we have a few more because we, we're able to access offshore ideas. You also recently um, took over the management of the Ned Group Managed Fund from RCM, um, which haven't performed well under under RCM. Have you made significant changes to that fund? Mm. So when we took over the fund, there was about a 2% overlap in terms of the assets that were in that fund compared to what was in our truffle balance fund. And the two funds needed to mirror each other. So it was only a 2% overlap. So we've now transitioned it. There's about 3% of assets sitting in the, in the Ned Group Managed Fund, which we haven't been able to transition. It's just they're smaller, they're a little bit more illiquid. And when we've tried to find a buyer out there, you get somebody who says, I'll take it from you at a 30% discount. And then we say, well, we'd actually buy it at that price. So we're happy to live with those positions. We're very comfortable with it. But I mean, so we've gone through a process where we've transitioned the fund, but it's, it's 97%. So if you look at the returns of the two funds, they'll virtually mirror each other going forward.
It is an interesting thing that one asset manager you know, replaces another one, and mm. there has been a lot of criticism on you know, the contrarian views of, of Bitwilliun and his mm. team. But you're not going to manage that from a contrarian perspective. No. So, I mean, we don't certainly, we, I mean, I don't want to pass comment on Pit, but he's you know, probably more a deep value, much more contrarian investor than what we are. Um, we target intrinsic value. So we're certainly not managing it the same as what he did. We also have a view that what we'd like to achieve for our clients is a more consistent return over time. We never really want to be a hero or a zero. And one of the things is we believe we've got skill, but we acknowledge we do not have perfect skill. And um, you know, so what we do then is we want to have spread our risk budget. We want to have many independent positions. So we'd never put 20% of our fund in gold or 30% in platinum, as some of the other deep value guys have done. And you know, year to date, they've really they've beaten they've beaten us by some margin. But we just don't think it's, that's a a way that it sh- you should manage money for because uh, it's ultimately retail investors. So it's the man in the street who can't stomach that huge volatility in return. So we don't like to manage it like that. So certainly we're not managing on, on a similar basis. Just lastly, uh, you know, the local market has been very volatile this year, um, and but it's moving sideways mostly. How should investors interpret the current market and what should they expect uh, for the for the short to medium term? Yeah, look, I mean, as I said, I mean, valuations are high. I mean, that's why, I mean, so the market last year, including dividends, I think it returned 5%. As you said, year to date, we probably at a similar number. So, I mean, that's why we we don't have a huge amount of, of assets in, certainly our multi-asset class funds in, in risk assets. So, you know, I would just, caution investors and just say, listen, don't expect the the very high returns that we've seen from the South African market over the last 20, 30 years. In the shorter term, we think markets may grind higher, but certainly there are a few large risks that we are worried about there, which could cause a large event. Thank you, Jonathan. That was Jonathan Dutue, a fund manager and a part owner at the Truffle Group.